Welcome to Critical Thinking Required, hosted by LBW. Our goal is simple. We want to challenge you to think differently about finance and business. Join us and start the journey today. All right, so today we're excited to talk um, a little bit more about positioning. Obviously with the current events and what's going on, it's, it, it's a good idea to talk about um, kind of what how things stand when it comes to financial planning. And right now we're here with myself, Tim Bickmore, uh, my colleagues, Dan Weiss and Nathaniel Leach. And I think this is gonna be a nice topic just for, again, what's happening within society today across the globe. Um, so Dan, I'm, I'm gonna toss it over to you just to kind of talk a little bit about our overall thought process when it comes to positioning from a planning perspective, maybe hit a little bit on emergency fund and and the overall importance there, but I'm interested to kind of hear your thoughts. I think I think actually that's probably what we should focus on today. Uh, there's a there's positioning is a is a journey which takes a lot of different steps, and we're going to start with an emergency fund. So uh, I'm, I'm sure a lot of the audience has heard the term "cash is king," and cash is definitely king, particularly in an environment like this. We often say that if a person has an emergency fund at play, that, uh, that, that they don't have an emergency come up because they're able to fund it, which then keeps you from panic. It keeps you from stress so that you can be the best you to optimize overall. Give you an example as to what that actually looks like. Typically speaking, most, most of our peers will use the rule of thumb. The rule of thumb is fine as long as we look at it as just a starting point. A rule of thumb of three to six months of what they will classify as discretionary and non-discretionary income. And what they're looking for here is discretionary income, things that you do not have to pay. So we're talking not mortgages, rent, things like, like that, not car loans. You got to keep that to get to your work. Um, but we're talking travel perhaps or some level of, of food, right? Dining out and so on. Some will say pets, which we're going to argue. But none, nonetheless, um, that's the typical case. The three of us like to think of um, uh, in terms of absolute spend, not discretionary, non-discretionary. We want to see three to six months of absolute spend so that you don't have to have the added stress of figuring out what is discretionary and what is not. And only you know that. Um, for example, people are going to take care of their pets. So I don't think that's discretionary because that cost is going to come. You probably take care of that pet before you take care of yourself. So that's how we determine really what um, a level of emergency fund should kind of start with. And of course, that gets tweaked. If we're talking to an individual that has a strong um, income stability, they probably don't need to have as much of an emergency fund. Or if they have a guaranteed severance situation, then they probably don't need to have as strong of an emergency fund. If they are a commissioned individual, a lot of our clients are, that might be a different story. So that's kind of where we, we start with what that emergency fund looks like. And I'll throw it back actually to you, Tim, because you and, you and I in particular spend a lot of time figuring out how this plays a role into people's lives to really protect them against the downside so that when they're in situations like, like the world is finding today, they're not as freaked out because they know that they are sustainable for a period of time. I think I could add on to a couple different points that you've made. And I actually am going to tie this into some of our framework when it comes to investment management. I think number one, the reason why we go with an absolute spend, as Dan mentioned, 
is because scarcity is a real thing from a psychological standpoint. When you become, feel like your back is up against the wall, you come, become the fight or flight situation where you will start making decisions that are irrational, regardless if you, you are recognizing it or not. So in order to not feel so scarce when it comes to losing a job or being in a position where you actually need cash, it's important that you have enough to, to feel sustainable. And that's where it comes down to where people look at it from a non-discretionary standpoint. Yes, that's great that you can only cover your bills, but to cut your lifestyle in a, in a snap of a finger down to, oh, I'm not gonna eat out as much or I'm not gonna do this, it's extremely difficult. So why even position yourself to have to go through that kind of stress when you can just save enough to protect yourself from an absolute, hey, I can live my life for at least three months. I don't have to cut anything out of it. So at least I have enough time to then think about the job. I don't need to say I can't meet my friends. I can't go to the bar and have a drink, right? That stuff is extremely important from a, from a, a mind standpoint. And that's why we've decided to go with that route. And Dan is right. It depends on the person. It has to be customized. It has to be customized to the family, the household, the individual of how much cash you want on hand. Because we do recognize as well that cash on hand becomes inefficient because that cash really isn't there to make money. Now, if we were back in the late 90s, or I mean, sorry, the early 90s, and we had big interest rates, great, we're making a lot of money on our cash. But in today's environment, you're not gonna make any money. And that's okay, because it's not there to make money. It's really there for risk protection. And then in addition to the overall absolute spend standpoint, is that really builds in a margin of safety. So Nathaniel will always speak about when we're doing our investment process, that he's looking to build in a margin of safety for um, our clients when we're looking at buying securities. It's the same effect, right? Let's say that you don't need all that money. That's okay. Like Dan said, cash is king. You can always put cash back in the market. You can always put cash back into paying down liabilities, but it's very hard to take it back out. So it's, it's a balancing act to make sure you have enough cash on hand and then if you feel like you have too much, you can always implement it going forward, which is, is our overall mindset. And then it provides you with a lot of, you know, again, not being in a scarce mindset to make more rational decisions, especially when you have a healthcare crisis, a financial crisis in different arenas, and it allows you to kind of move yourself forward, which is, which is really extremely helpful. And again, that goes back to positioning, but I'm actually going to toss this one over to Nathaniel. And Nathaniel, in your opinion, how do you look at it like kind of the same type of an emergency fund or positioning when it comes to margin of safety for our investments? Well, the, the margin of safety is kind of like, it's a buffer. That's exactly how everybody should look at their emergency fund. It's a buffer. So when I look at the margin of safety concept, when I implement that for our investments, it's meant to be a buffer to account for anything that I have missed in my analysis of the company. But more importantly, it is meant to be a buffer to count for that which I don't know, the unknowns. There's two types of unknowns, the known unknowns and the unknown unknowns. So the known unknowns can be something like, all right, this company operates in the steel making industry. I know that there are macro concerns that can severely impact this company in the steel making 
uh, industry because steelmakers are typically rather large. And in some countries, uh, they may be state-sponsored enterprises. So you could be dealing with geopolitical concerns. So those are the known unknowns. The unknown unknowns are things like <laughs> the pandemic, the COVID-19 that we're dealing with today. That was something, it was a known unknown on the level that we, we've always known, society has always known, that there could be a pandemic like this. It's happened before, it's happen, happening now, and it could happen again. The unknown unknown portion is this, the amount of how much it is spread and how quickly it has spread. It's impossible to know how fast it was going to move without uh, governments being able to um, act in a certain way. In that, how do I say this? Um, governments, different governments are going to act in different ways. There's no way to predict how well they're going to act and, and succeed in tamping out the virus or how poorly they're going to act and then how quickly the virus will get out of control. In addition, unknown unknowns are that we don't know to what degree the fallout, the second order, the third order, the fourth order effects from this virus will be. I think that that's the reason why the markets have decreased so fast, like the, the fastest in history, in modern history. It's because there are so many unknowns that people are panicking and the markets don't like uncertainty. So when you mix uncertainty into the mix, you have people panic, become irrational, and start doing irrational things. Well, I'm saying, well, I think Nathaniel makes a great point. I'm sure Tim, Tim you were going to say something similar too. I kind of want to tie a little bit deeper into how how these how the concept of an emergency fund or a margin a margin of safety, which is which are obviously very similar, how they come into a role with the markets. So one of which would be I want to give a, a an example of a conversation that we had this week with a client, which um, is a great example because we've seen it a couple times. Um, even this week alone, but one that sticks out in my mind. So um, just shy of a week ago, I was talking to a client who has asked us, which we, we hear more of this than should I take my money out is, can I put more, more, more money in to be invested? And that was the question at hand. Here's the problem is we, we often talk about this emergency fund being the first step to investing because it allows you personally to have that margin of safety so that we can move forward and actually truly invest in a manner that is uh, is pure to the ability of actually fully taking on what that means to truly invest. So in this case, this client said that they have $20,000 of cash in an emergency fund. They don't really need all that. They wanted to throw 10 in to be able to purchase um, positions now while they're depressed compared to where they were you know, two, two, three months ago. Now this seems logical and from a numerical standpoint, yes, it, it makes sense. You should be, if you have the ability cash flow wise without causing any do harm to yourself, it makes a lot of sense to put money into the marketplace and be able to get opportunities that you couldn't get before. Here's the problem though. This individual, like a lot of our clients works in real estate. This, this individual is in the construction side of real estate. We know that that's an industry that is feast and famine. His wife is not working right now. 
So the problem there is I ask, as we always do, what are you spending? What are your monthly expenses? I, I know a lot of people that are listening probably think they know, but I'll tell you right now that almost no one knows, including myself, unless, unless I actually go through the exercise and figuring out down to the, down to the dollar as to what really those, that number happens to be. Person thought it was about $3,500 a month. I cannot remember the last time we saw someone spend that little. It's, it, it's very rare that we find someone that can, that can do that. Now, I, I don't, not that they're, I, I trust the person immensely, but I think they're probably wrong about that cost. So I said, well, what if we'd be conservative and say 4,000? This person probably, again, is in a, in a situation where they probably could be very susceptible to, um, to declines um, at, at work, right? declines in, in their market, and they're not seeing income from their other spouse, from their spouse, not their other spouse, other spouse, sorry. Um, so in this situation, they should probably have closer to the six-month rule of thumb, maybe even more than that. But if it's $4,000, four times six is 24. So actually, even though they might feel because they haven't had to use it yet, so you forget the importance of having it on hand, that they can deploy 10,000 of their 20 they really can't because they really probably should have at least 24 to begin with. So um, I just want to bring that example and to show how, how quickly that scenario actually can change and how it relates to the ability to put into the market and not. Just like every company has a different margin of safety, so does every person. And I'm, I'll give you a different example, um, and then, then I'll shut up to have, have my two buddies here speak in too. But on the other end of a, a different kind of spectrum, a lot of our clients, uh, the, the bulk of them tend to be between their, their early 30s to their early to mid 50s, which is a younger client base than most firms recognize that. We still have a good portion of clients, though, that are either retiring early or retiring at retirement age or after retirement age. And those individuals have to think about this concept a little bit differently. In that case, a six month emergency fund isn't going to do the job compared to a, to a client who's bringing an in income because we're now we're talking about an individual who is going to be on fixed income in most cases, right? So this individual, we're now not talking about months. We're talking about years. I know that seems um, astronomical, but we're talking about years that they should have cash at hand. The reason for that is if that person goes into retirement with three to five years worth of cash on hand, if they have the ability to do that. We also recognize that not every, everybody has the fortune um, to be able to do so. But if the person does, that is the best way to not find yourself susceptible to a, to a market downturn um, into a, that we're, like we're seeing now, because the reality is you have enough cash on hand to allow yourself to continue to have life, the quality of life that you have, be sustainable for a number of years, thus not disturbing your assets when they are down. That's the best way to handle that because at the end of the day, what we really are concerned about is the change and the sustainability to our quality of life when we see things going in a direction that we are not happy to see. I think that Dan brings up a lot of good points. And the thing that I would add to both Dan and Nathaniel is when we're talking about margin of safety, if you really think about it from a different perspective, the emergency fund from a financial planning perspective provides you with a margin of safety to actually ride the markets. So when you're looking at it, what we're doing from a financial planning standpoint really dovetails into the investment management piece because what I'm doing for Nathaniel with our clients is saying, let's build an appropriate emergency fund 
to make sure you have cash on hand to support yourself in the event of a crisis or an emergency, which then means you don't have to go ahead and pull off of your portfolio in the market to sustain that sustainability, which means you can ride the market and allow the market to go on doing its thing. Um, so you're really building in two kind of buffers. Nathaniel's trying to build a buffer in when it comes to buying value, uh, buying securities at a, at a good value relative to its price. And then in addition, we're building in a margin of safety because we have enough cash on hand outside of the market to sustain ourselves. And then hopefully if we get our clients into a good, good positions, then we're con making consistent contributions into investment management to allow it to grow. Now, I know that that can be very difficult for some households and I don't want to say this is it, it, as easy as it sounds to do, but if we can get our clients in a position like that, that's where you can really start taking advantage of situations like this. But that means you have to get, go in depth of what am I spending? What is my incoming coming in? You know, is this realistic? Is it not? Do I want to cut back on my spending in order to do this or not? Um, and that's really what we provide on our side. A lot of our clients will say, you know, we'll do an expense analysis. Say, oh, you know, I kind of knew this intuitively. Um, but what we do is we provide the science to their intuition saying, here are the numbers. Here's exactly what's really going on. And then this is how we can start, you know, creating that, that picture, right? Painting that, that art piece that you're trying to um, create yourself and really help with it and provide those numbers, which it can be extremely beneficial because it provides clarity, kind of removes that fog or that, that gut check and be like, oh yeah, you know what, I am doing the right thing, or you know what, we can make some adjustments so we can kind of continue going forward. But guys, I, I think you know this was a really interesting um, segment on what we're doing. I know we like to talk about things that we've learned within each podcast that we do do. So um, Nathaniel, if you wanna kick us off and you know tell us a little bit about what you've learned from this one, I think that would be great. Speaking from personal experience, I can honestly say that um, before we started up LBW four years and some odd months ago, I didn't place as much emphasis on the emergency fund concept. Um, but but after stick, uh, being here working with Tim and Dan for these year, amount of years, it's really come into play about how important it is. And, and I can speak for myself personally as well as for our firm, that we have taken that lesson to heart. And as a result, both myself and, and my wife, Ying, and, and the company are on solid footing because of this concept. Dan, you want to you wanna go next on that one? That was good, by the way, Nathaniel. That was, that was a good one. If a person could obtain accurate financial clarity, it will mitigate their fear. That was succinct and very to the point. Good also work. a good one. Yes, very good. good. Yes. Good work. My, mine would be that life is extremely gray. Um, I've, I talked to Nathaniel and Dan about this book, and I've talked to many others who know me well. Uh, it's Annie Dukes, um, Thinking in Bets, a fantastic book. It literally changed my mind, um, and, and it provided a different lens to the world, where I think in panics and fear, and even up on the upswings, we think this, the world is black and white, and it's not. It's completely gray, which means if we're living in the gray, we're living in probabilities, which means we cannot become outcome, we cannot have outcome bias. We cannot be outcome dependent. We have to be position dependent, meaning how do we position ourselves in the event of the unknowns, unknowns like Nathaniel was talking about, which goes back to emergency funds and 
setting yourself up for different events happening because you can never have a guarantee. Even pensions are not guaranteed. Um, so it, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting concept and it's really helped us develop from a financial planning perspective on how we approach our clients. And so we are all about positioning. So I think I'll go back to Nathaniel. When we did start this firm, I did the same thing. I have positioned myself from the standpoint of having an emergency fund in the event of something were to happen. And I will always have that regardless of where I'm at in life, because I know that I, there are unknowns unknowns. Um, and it's just something that's very beneficial. But my last comment is I know it's, this isn't always easy for everybody who's listening to put money into savings due to income restrictions or other circumstances in life. Um, but we're always happy to have conversations about what's the best route or how to go about it in the most effective way possible. Um, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, it's really nice to have people, you know, listen to the guys talk about things that we love and, um, we're hoping that you will listen to us next time, uh, we're on back. So thanks Dan and Nathaniel and for all our listeners and we'll talk to you next time. Thank you for taking the time to start your journey of thinking differently and listening to LBW talk about stuff they love. Until next time. The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual on any specific security, on any specific broker-dealer or custodian. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments, broker-dealer or custodian may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. As always, please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. All opinions expressed by podcast participants are solely their own and do not reflect the opinion of Leach, Bickmore, and Weiss Wealth Management, LLC. Leach, Bickmore, and Weiss Wealth Management, LLC is a registered investment advisor. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where Leach, Bickmore, and Weiss Wealth Management, LLC, and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advice may be rendered by Leach, Bickmore, and Weiss Wealth Management, LLC unless a client service agreement is in place.